I'm Dr. Chris Meyer. This is the Negotiation Innovation Podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. We are at the end of the series that I've been doing on the strategic process of negotiation. Today, this final episode, I want to talk a little bit about some ethical issues and do a final wrap-up so that we have some clarity on the way to move forward with a strategic approach to negotiation. So here's some information about ethics in negotiation. I don't want you to think that I am telling you what is right or wrong here. Because here's the thing about the ethical implications of the things that we do on a day-to-day basis. We all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different heritages. We all come from different places. Different people raised us in different communities, in different societies, with different rules, with different ideas. And so we all bring our own flavor into this ethical discussion. I have been doing this long enough to understand that my flavor for ethical negotiation is pretty important to me. But it's not the same for everyone. We are all at one point or another going to have to make a decision about what we feel is ethical and what is not ethical in our day-to-day interactions. Is it okay to lie? What about lies of omission? Is it okay to misrepresent something? How about to withhold information when asked for it? Or to allow somebody to think something that you know is incorrect? If you have information that could help them, that could provide to them some clarity on an issue, is it okay to remain silent in that case? I'm not going to tell you what's right or what's wrong. I'm going to tell you that there's some significant research that tells us that there's not really a long-term benefit to lying in negotiation. You may get a short-term benefit, although that's becoming less and less likely in our more interconnected world. But what's most likely to happen is that lie is going to be found out. That lie is going to be something that people will brand you with, and it's going to impact your reputation. So we have to make a decision. How do we decide what is ethical and what's not ethical? So let's start with this idea of what an ethic is. What are ethics? Ethics are broadly applied social standards for what is right or wrong in a situation. So they come from the context. They come from with whom we're doing business. They grow out of the philosophies that we adopt. They define the world that we live in and the rules that we apply to that world. 
So we have to make a decision. What is it that we are trying to impact here? And there are a number of ways to do it. I'm going to walk you through four very quick examples. And then I'll leave you to choose. How are you going to apply this in your day-to-day -day life? We have end result ethics, which is choosing a course of action based on the end result that I expect to achieve, based on the result that I hope will happen from a decision. Of course, this is um, something that comes from the, uh, the idea that the ends justify the means, the idea that um, what I'm doing is less important than the outcome that I reach. Um, it comes from the argument of utilitarianism by John Stuart Mill. There's no quiz at the end of this podcast, so that doesn't really matter. What you need to remember is end result ethics is a view that says it doesn't matter what I do within the interaction as long as the outcome produces a consequence that is good. And the highest moral conduct is to produce the greatest good for the greatest number of people. So that opens up a lot of things that makes a lot of things okay in the interaction. This is a very common business argument. Another view is the duty ethics view, which tells us that there is a series of rules. There is a set of right and wrong. It's a deontological view um, that was, uh, its major proponent was Immanuel Kant. And what that says is outcomes are uncertain. We don't know what the outcome of an interaction will be, what the outcome of our action will be. So we should choose a path that is morally right. Actions should be judged based on the intention of the actor. Was the actor acting in a way that was good? The problem with this is who then sets the rules and standards? Do we live by my ethical code? Do we live by my morality? Do we live by your morality? It's a question. So I don't know that this is the way that you want to choose whether or not your interactions are ethical. So we could hold up our interactions. We could hold up our actions to the social norms, the customs of what the group says is ethical. This is the, the idea of social contract ethics, which was proposed by Jean-Jacques Rousseau and what that says is we need to socialize and indoctrinate people into an ethical code, a moral code that we can then all uphold. And then society will drive those ethics home. The norms will be there because everybody's been indoctrinated into those norms. But who makes those norms? Again, is it you? Is it me? That's the real question. 
if it's societal norms, then one would assume that throughout the time that society has been acting, these norms have been honed. We've looked at these norms and we've decided these are the appropriate norms in this situation. But then what happens when I move into a new society? What happens when I cross a boundary? What happens when I operate outside of my small social sphere where I know everyone's been indoctrinated into the same ethical standard? And so that leads us to the final idea, which is personalistic ethics, which is a philosophical view that each individual has the basic foundation for ethical behavior built into his or her human conscience. This is the idea that that little voice that you hear when you're choosing a path, when you're choosing an action, when you're choosing a way to interact, this is the idea that that little voice may be giving you some good information. Each individual should decide what is the right course of action in each situation. But is the individual conscience too narrow? Is it too limited? Is my conscience subject to bias? And does my conscience learn? Does my conscience change? Does my conscience adapt to the situation? So as you can see, each of these decision-making criteria has a benefit. And each of these decision-making criteria has some places where they're lacking. So how do you decide what is ethical, what is moral, what is right in your interactions? I'm not an ethicist, and I'm not going to tell you the right way or the wrong way. I am going to tell you that everybody brings some of each of these to the table. We don't always activate all of these four different ways of making the decision. But on some level, we get that these are ways that we can make an ethical standard. There's that. There's history. I always joke about the voices that I hear in my head when I'm making decisions. And for me, it's some strong family members that I have in my past who are no longer with us but whose voices I hear when I'm making decisions. I had two very strong grandfathers that spoke into my life. And I hear their voices when I'm making decisions. I hear my dad's voice. I hear my mom's voice. Parents' voices are always very strong. And I have some strong mentors whose voices I hear. And for a lot of us, that gets filtered through a moral or ethical standard that we have that comes from maybe a religious background or a belief background. That's a very common framework. 
I think it's a very useful framework, a very good framework. I've said on this podcast in the past that I have a Christian background. I filter those voices. I filter the ideas. I filter a lot of what I think about, a lot of what I do, through that traditional Christian ethical and moral framework because that's what I grew up with, because that's what I've adopted as my set of beliefs. There are those of you out there that have a Muslim set of beliefs and that you filter the things that you think, the things that you do through that set of beliefs or an atheist set of beliefs or a Jewish set of beliefs or whatever your background may be, Buddhist or Hindu or whatever. I'm not trying to give you a comprehensive list here, but just know that we all have some background, some idea, and some of them are very large in our lives. Some of them are very present in day-to-day decision-making. Christian, Muslim, etc. are very present, I think, in a lot of people's day-to-day decision-making. Jewish is another one that has a very active presence in a lot of lives. And then some of them are not so much. But they're there in the background. Kind of like the voices from my grandfathers who are not active in my day-to-day life anymore because they're dead and gone. But they're there in the background. We should embrace these ideas. We should embrace these frameworks that give us something to hold on to, that give us an idea about where we can go and maybe where we shouldn't. They're important frameworks for a reason. They're with so many people for a reason because they help us to make these decisions on a day-to-day basis. They give us something to hold on to. And that's a positive thing. So now we've got a good strategic framework. We've got a way that we're going to make ethical decisions. And we've built out this idea of strategic negotiation. We started with preparation. And if you haven't been with me through this entire series, go back to the beginning of 2021 with season two, episode one, and you can start from there. And you'll see we worked through preparation. We talked about the importance of strategic preparation before moving on to the importance of thinking about our motivation in a strategic manner, not a haphazard manner, not in a way that isn't really thinking through the impact of that motivation. And then we put it to bear in our process, strategically implementing the interdependence and the power and influence that we have in that process before moving into the interaction and thinking about relationships and trust and suspicion. Finally, we ended with strategically approaching, strategically addressing our outcomes in negotiation. And all of this falls under this ethical framework that we've talked about in this episode. So hopefully, you can take this and you can embrace a new way of interacting, a new way of working with people, 
of bringing the interdependence to bear, of taking interactions that may have not had a roadmap, taking these interactions and applying a strategic roadmap so that everyone involved can settle for more. Thanks for listening to the Negotiation Innovation Podcast. I would appreciate it if you would subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that I can reach a wider audience. You can find more information about these ideas on my website at meyernegotiation.com. Thanks. See you next time.